Good evening, fans. Tim Kittrow here, the voice of NBA Jam. And you're listening to the Game Dev Breakdown Podcast, brought to you by CodeWritePlay.com. Whoa, boom shakalaka. My mom gave birth in 1985. I was blue than a Pac-Man ghost, barely alive. In the Cold War, my only blanket was Tetris. I played Rampart with Reagan Rampage, the world for breakfast. The laundry mat was my sanctuary. The arcade was my church. I thought I was grassland, so for evil I was... Okay, so uh, I'm Martin Mailadet. And I'm Faye Mailadet. Uh, together we are Imaginary Friends Games. Absolutely. So we're um, husband and wife. Mm. Um, small game, indie game development team uh, based in the UK. We've been together for absolutely years, like <laughs> over 20 years. Um, so we, we know each other pretty well. <laughs> <laughs> and um, we've worked at a bunch of different, very cool places prior to setting up on our own. And we set up on our own to, to make Imaginary Friends games uh, two years ago now. So before that, um, I started uh, in the games industry what feels like a thousand years ago. Absolutely. Um, I worked at Sony's London studio as a designer there. Um, I worked on, among other things, the iToy games um, and doing a bit more sort of higher level direction stuff for them. Uh, Then I worked for Codemasters. I worked on a few council projects, but also a little bit on Race Driver Grid and a little bit on Operation Flashpoint 2. And after that, I moved, well, we both moved Mm -hmm. to Germany. (laughs) Yeah, you're stuck with me. You married me. (laughs) My my job moved to Germany, to the head office of Nintendo of Europe, where I was. So I'd been a designer at all my previous jobs, and I was a product strategist at Nintendo, which was a kind of hybrid thing, which was a little bit like a design consultant for Nintendo's teams, but also for Nintendo's partners. Mm -hmm. Um, but also a more kind of long-term planning and sort of overall company strategy role. And I went from that into the publishing side. So, um, you know, looking for cool indie projects and trying to kick off partnerships with uh, with Nintendo and other companies. Yeah. And on my side, I originally trained to be a teacher. So I did some teacher training for uh, secondary uh age which is kind of up to the age of like 16 in the UK to teach biology and um, it just sadly wasn't the path for me so I sort of started again at the bottom of the the ladder in QA um, in the games in the games industry and that's where we both worked at Codemasters Um, we didn't meet there we met way before that but um, we were sort of working in the same company in in different buildings and having lunch together and stuff which was really nice And so I was doing QA and uh, working on a game called Overlord was sort of my main uh, project there where I got to do a little bit of voice acting and um, a little bit of editing of scripts and things like that and kind of got a thirst for the editorial side of things. And then after that, when we both eventually moved to Germany, I found myself sort of climbing the walls a little bit (laughs) because we'd moved from Martin's job and ended up getting myself a position at Nintendo in the technical testing department there. So uh, for those devs who've worked with LockCheck, I may have tested your game at that point if you were putting things out. (laughs) Um, And then from that, I kind of got a foot in the door with some editorial work there and worked up from junior to, to basically head of the team that were working on writing Nintendo Directs and writing the social posts and writing websites to advertise 
kind of cool indies like us, really. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we spent a decade there in Germany working both for Nintendo and sometimes being in the same meetings and working together, but <laughs> always very separate in our responsibilities. Yeah. And so we, in that in that decade at Nintendo, we touched thousands and thousands of games, but then we decided we wanted to just focus in on one, something that we were <laughs> going to make together. Exactly. And the rest is history, basically. Recent history. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. Well, can I first comment on uh, what a fortuitous booking this was for me? Because if you think <laughs> about my perspective, <laughs> I was just hanging out on Twitter and saw an indie game and somebody going, hey, you know, we're kind of looking for places to put this and talk about it and get some new eyes on the project. And I thought, OK, great. Come on the podcast. That would be awesome. And uh, I feel like we could spend a week talking about several parts of this. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Well, so, all the bits that aren't under NDA for sure. <laughs> yeah. What a career for both of you. You're indie for a couple of years. Yeah. Shindig is the latest project. Yeah. The first big indie release for you. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's our debut game. Absolutely. When did it come out? How recent was that? So that was September 2nd. So it's 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 newborn into the world uh, just recently released. Yeah, about two weeks old. Yeah, so that, that came out on Steam and Itch. And we're at that point where, you know, it's out and you're sort of going, the world feels so different now. <laughs> I can confirm. It's once you go through a release like that as an indie for the first time, it's like, oh, wow, yeah. <laughs> the world's almost a different shade. You know? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Really is well. Congrats on that. I've, uh, thank, I've you. thank you. I've played through most of the game now and uh, didn't quite get to finish it, but I'm I'm probably about to. I think uh, based on Excellent. how things are going, I there's I have a lot of questions about it. Good. <laughs> I guess we should start with uh, how's it going? Like, are, are sales meeting expectations? Are people talking to you about it? Like, what's that experience like? I mean, I'm going to be completely honest. The the launch hasn't been a strong one for us, but we kind of weren't expecting it to be mm -hmm. as, you know, essentially we've got this big history of all these things we've done, but in terms of putting out games, we're kind of nobody, you know, uh, we don't have that arsenal of games under our belt that make people excited about our next project yet. <laughs> yet. Mm -hmm. Also, when you work at a much bigger scale, it's very easy to get it stuck in your head that, you know, we need this X many hundreds of thousands mm. on day one. Otherwise, you know, we won't reach our projected targets. Yeah. And, the, you know, the world in which we release Shindig as just the two of us from our little house, that's a completely different world to that one. Absolutely. I think we were always expecting Shindig to be um, a slow burn, basically, because it is a it's a weird prospect. I, I understand that it is a weird prospect for a game and it's a sort of hybrid of lots of different things. So I think in a lot of cases, people don't quite know what it is, um, but we're trying our best to make sure that it gets into the hands of the kind of people who love it. And so far, you know, we've got some really good leads in that direction. We've got our first 10 Steam reviews, all positive. Road to 50. Road to 50, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we're just sort of, doing everything we can and taking all the steps we can to 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 not shut up about it basically <laughs> <laughs> yeah and thank you for your help on that todd oh my my pleasure this is uh this is already awesome uh <laughs> <laughs> i think we've already landed on some interesting context here because for people who mm -hmm. do look at the at the game and go well this is unusual or like this this mm -hmm. has many unique elements to it okay this is because you get to 
sort of break out of the uh, the big industry expectations and the way things are done there and what's approved and what's not. And you get to go, I'd like to try something completely different. And mm-hmm. has this scratched that itch a little bit? Oh. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm gone. I was going to say, before we go too much further into that thought, we should probably mm-hmm. talk about what exactly the game is from your from your perspective. Yeah. Do you want to give... Martin's got a very, very short elevator pitch. Okay. The, <laughs> the very short elevator pitch is that Shindig is a little bit like Night in the Woods, if Night in the Woods took place during the day on Sesame Street. <laughs> <laughs> that checks Night out for me. are in the day anyway. We know this, but um, <laughs> but yeah, it's... It's one of those games that um, it has a lot of keywords associated with it. So Shindig is a short, because it only takes a few hours, fully voiced, point-and-click style narrative adventure, which is set in a friendly cartoon world, basically. It's got this kind of picture book aesthetics of these cartoony characters. And um, we're going for a kind of very friendly image, basically. That's what we want it to be. We want it to be a sort of friendly, cosy place. Um, And we've basically gone for just look at it, make it unusual, see what people think. Yeah, it's colourful and funny, but it's also sort of emotionally real. Absolutely. Absolutely. For me, those things come through. During my playthrough, and I'll I'll tell you, I'm well past a few hours already. I don't know if it's because I was playing while I was kind of hanging out with my kid or whatever, but like, (laughs) (laughs) I guess I'm taking my time a little bit. And uh, it's kind of a fun experience if you're into these uh, types of games and you can kind of let yourself be immersed in like what's happening in this little world that's been created. It's fun to go through and and solve these problems and stuff and go, okay, I need to go back to visit so-and-so and and he lives up here. And you (laughs) sort of find yourself like, wow, I'm really into this at the moment. (laughs) Uh, Great. Great. Excellent. We've spotted that in a couple of cases when we've been brave enough to watch people stream it. So if, you know, you, you watch through your fingers a little bit and um, you see people like you check in right at the start of the stream and they're like, maybe a bit nonplus, don't really know what to expect. And then you sort of check in about an hour or two later and they're like, I love this guy's music. Like, oh, I've got, I get to go back and talk to this dude. And you're like, yes, exactly. And I mean, you know, not everybody loves every part of Sesame Street. That's kind of, no, of how it goes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. We all have our favorites. I mean. <laughs> Game length is is a kind of thorny issue at the best of times, right? Because when you have, say, a challenging action game, do you say it's an hour long if you immediately become incredibly good at the game? <laughs> but, you know, or is it 100 hours long if it takes you a long while? Yeah. Um, so while Shindig is short, we did kind of want people to be able to just hang out yeah, in that world. exactly. It's the thing about Shindig is though it's a point and click and though it's a narrative adventure, really sort of just delivered as a point and click, it's it's been designed with uh, a few different kind of goals in mind. And for us, point and clicks are often really lauded for being like difficult with very difficult puzzles. That's something that people really value. Um, But some people can find that quite excluding. And a lot of the design of, of Shindig has been created to try to include as many people as possible and to make it feel welcoming so for us though it is a point and click and there are puzzles it's more just like a mooching sim it's like a place a nice place to hang out you know yeah when Um, when we first started making the game one of the things that we talked about a lot was that the the classic point and clicks that we played when 
when we were younger, mm. a lot of the time what really sticks with you or what, well, with us anyway, is more the characters and mm. the places than Absolutely. how smart you felt when you beat that puzzle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think with with Shindig, what we were kind of going for is every part of it has been designed to evoke a certain kind of emotional landscape. And that includes the art being the sort of friendly, cartoony thing that, sure, might not appeal to absolutely everybody, but it's all designed to create a sort of welcoming space and to to basically make a place that you can just go to for like an evening or a weekend and not have to sort of pour your life into (laughs) something a little lighter. And uh, speaking of the animations and such, this is a a more technical question than I would normally ask, but it's something that was just kind of like <laughs> nagging at me. Did a lot of this use Unity's skeletal animation? Is, yes. is that too is that too ridiculous a question? No, it's not ridiculous. <laughs> I did all the animation, so um, yeah, it was it was all that basically. There's a few places in the game where they are like cell by cell animations, sort of hand drawn, mm-hmm. but. The character animations and things like that, they were all boned and rigged and yeah, their their movement is dictated by that system. That's really cool to me because I've I've been a Unity developer for some time, uh, as I had kind of mentioned uh, in our messages, and I, mm. I've played with that. I didn't feel like I was very good at it. I, I couldn't seem to get the hang of it. Uh, but <laughs> me, the man. <laughs> I was thrilled to see like a, a bigger project like this capable of sort of uh, working that way. Everything's very smooth and very, very interesting. And, and I think that was a really cool inclusion. So nicely done on that. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you. That means a lot. It was, you know, all of the art stuff was learned from scratch for Shindig. Um, basically, we hadn't done any of the sort of practical side of things before. This episode is brought to you in part by Mudstack. Mudstack is the only asset management and collaboration platform custom built for game studios and digital artists. If you're an artist or your team works with artists, you might need more than the old school source control that only handles code and config files. You need a solution built for you. Mudstack is a digital asset management, version control, and review platform custom built for artists and game studios. Handle all your game assets from concept to completion, Group and tag your assets, do easy visual comparisons, approve work, switch between iterations, and more. Soon you'll be able to customize pipelines and take advantage of simple plugin integration with Unity and Unreal. These guys understand game development and they want to help you stay focused on what matters. Level up your game art and your art game with Mudstack. Get started for free in just a few minutes at mudstack.com. Big thanks for sponsoring the show. That was a massive part of our journey, really, because, you know, we say Shindig took two years, but at the beginning of that two year period, I never really opened Unity. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, I'd fiddled around with a few things in Game Maker. I'd I'd done some scripting and stuff for professional projects, but never written code. And, you know, Faye, you hadn't done any real no. Uh, game art or animation yeah all of because we sort of divided the um the responsibilities within shindig because there's the two of us that it helps to be able to sort of have areas which are your sort of expertise um mostly and so i did for shindig the art the animation the sound effects uh, most of the voiceovers 
Um, and basically all the sound design stuff, including the composing of the music. And Martin gets one label, which is you are the implementation guy. But that's huge. That's absolutely everything under the hood in Unity, um, which, you know, I, I've sort of dabbled in, obviously, with the animation side of things. But really, I, I, I get chills when I look in there. I'm like, don't open the trap door. I don't want to see what's in there. <laughs> yeah. And it is, it's really cool for me as well, because when I started uh, in the games industry, it was a time when designers were very much like... Um, the main program I use is Microsoft Word. Um, <laughs> and being able to to move into that actually sort of bricks and mortar assembling a game uh, was really, really cool for me. Yeah. We designed and wrote the game together. Yeah. That's that's the both of us. Mm. And um Faye was the game director mm. for this this one, mm. which we think we're probably gonna maybe alternate or yeah. you know, as as the projects dictate one of us will take the role of game director. But it was like really freeing for me to be able to get down in the weeds of um, Unity and how the game's working and not have to worry about, because we are both very, very specific with <laughs> yes, everything. <we> are. <laughs> um, and, you know, we all have our, our foibles and both of us will always have an opinion on that should be slightly up or perhaps that's not quite the right color of green. Um, <laughs> and when I'm trying to get everything going, just being like, okay, no, I'm going to sort of outsource that to Faye. Yeah. Being you, able for you to sort of sketch out roughly a scene um, as we've discussed it and then to tweak the values later when we look at it and I kind of go, I was imagining it like this, I think was really good for our process for sure. And it also helped to solve some bugs because because I don't, you know, I'm not elbow deep in unity at all times. <laughs> um, I think it really helped when Martin was coming across some tricky bugs to go to talk me through it because I don't know how it all works in there. I have a pretty good idea, but I would ask questions like, could you just do it this way? Like instead? a completely different way. <laughs> yeah. You if know it doesn't what? work that way, why not do it? Why am I doing it like this? Can Unity do it this way? Kind of thing. Yeah. So splitting up the, the division of labor like that was really useful. But it meant that, you know, we were each learning from scratch in these completely different areas and watching lots of YouTube videos. Um, God bless YouTube. God bless YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pour pour one out for YouTube wherever you are, programmers. Absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> that's I, where I learned how to do all of the the Unity animation stuff. Just watching tutorials over and over again, and copying them with our character art in there, and then going, "How did he get that bit to work?" Right, um, doing it over and over again, basically. I think that's a large part of the Unity toolkit, and and one reason I I consider this an impressive project is. Almost every Unity project is a pretty impressive project these days. And the reason I mm. say that is Unity's in discussion a lot these days, particularly on social, where some of the Unity team, uh, you know, has discussions and puts threads out and stuff. And I, I try to share those because I, I've tried to follow this because I started in Unity a long time ago. Mm. A lot of people I know who do Unity projects started a long time ago. And a lot of us don't feel like the old school Unity users have much of a leg up on anybody else anymore because of how fast mm -hmm. Unity changes. Um, it really does. Even in two years, I'm sure you've seen plenty of that. And oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. 
So that's why I say any Unity project, it's like, good for you. You got in, you navigated the changes, you kept up with the updates, you figured out how it works right now, and mm -hmm. uh, you were able yeah. to put something together. So Yeah. Yeah, right? I mean, I honestly, I genuinely feel like anybody who releases a game full stop, it's it's kind of a monumental task. It's like pat yourself on the back. You've done something amazing. Um, and I think that that is even more so the case now with constant updates to engines and and bug fixes and different different chunks of these programs working in different ways, you know, over the months that you're working on them. It's it's a huge undertaking. So shout out to indie developers everywhere. Um, well done you. Yeah. I, I, I forget who said every video game is a miracle, <laughs> but I, I agree <laughs> right. with that. It certainly feels Absolutely. like it. Definitely. Something else that's in discussion right now is uh, the element of game size itself. You know, so smaller mm. play experiences, shorter games like this one. I would consider this one medium because we're starting to see games that are like, you can play this in two hours. And it, it raises mm. questions about like, should they change the, the refund time? Are people going to mm -hmm. abuse that? People yeah. are sort of calling out for shorter projects that they can play it in a day or a weekend and uh, things that won't cause you to drive yourself uh, up a wall with, you know, <laughs> self-imposed crunch and uh, things mm -hmm. that you can't do during nights and weekends and stuff. So, I mean, as somebody with a smaller project, uh, do, mm. you, do you feel there's a good space for you in the, in the game market right now? That kind of discussion was pretty much at the heart of Shindig, really, and mm. the, the concept of Shindig. So we had this idea of human scale game development yeah so we'd spent a long time working essentially at a global scale where you, you seem like you're involved in these huge projects but actually any individual's involvement is a bit abstract mm. and there's um, always a guy for every different part of every different responsibility and you don't feel so much ownership over anything mm. that you you do or you achieve at that scale i think uh, or at least i didn't and the idea of of making Shindig and sort of respecting what can the two of us make? Mm. We want to make it all ourselves. We want to make it without publisher. Mm. And we also want to, we want to tell a small scale story and we want to make something that respects the player's time mm. as well. Yeah. I mean, a lot of this was inspired by friends of ours who are, you know, you get older and you have kids and maybe you can't put as many hours into gaming as you used to, essentially. Mm -hmm. um, and it turns out that today's kind of landscape of game development is pretty much perfect for making those kind of short experiences. So to answer your question, I think like, yes, this tool set that we have available now um, really does lend itself to those sort of evening-sized or weekend-sized experiences. Um, and it's funny that you say that, that Shindig is uh, maybe a medium-sized project because we actually originally set out for it to take like one, maybe two hours to play. <laughs> um, and we planned it out and planned all of the like places we wanted to be in it and all the characters and all the puzzles and then we made that, and it turns out that takes like more like three to four hours to play, really. Yeah. Well, classic scope creep, right? You know, you set oh, yeah, up with totally. <laughs> totally. Wouldn't it be cool if we dot, dot, dot? And you get yeah. to embrace that a little bit because you all don't have the same uh, project requirements you used to, right? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. It's like, you know, the only people who need to approve our script is us. <laughs> 
basically, um, as opposed to working in a big company where you go through and there's so many eyes on things. And there's always, like I said before, there's a guy for that. There's a gal for that. There are people who do all of these different siloed parts of development. And to go from that where, you know, in my case, I was I was I was the writing team. I was the head of the editorial team um, and doing all of that sort of content marketing on that side to go from that very specialized role to be someone who's wearing all the different hats yeah. mm-hmm. <laughs> um, is it's a really challenging thing, but it's super enjoyable. And what's, I don't remember who said it either, but there's that saying of like, I'd rather work, you know, 10 times harder for myself than, than, than this hard for the man kind of thing. <laughs> um, and I think Agreed. that as an indie dev, you really do sort of just strive to, to live up to the responsibility you feel to the players, you know, um, and make your game as good as it can be. We started off with this idea of like, well, it's our first game. It'll take like one or two hours to play. And we don't need all of these animations, like giving and taking animations and things like that. Hmm. And we can maybe not like cutting corners, just like really paring it down because we didn't think we'd be able to do um yeah what shindig currently is (laughs) as you learn more about how the systems all work and you you begin to be able to express yourself a bit better in Mm. terms of of art and and of unity and all things Mm. then oh well actually we can do this let's put it in and then before you know it before you know it your game's three to four hours long um (laughs) (laughs) but i wouldn't change it honestly i i think that whenever you start something new there's there's going to be not teething trouble but the stuff that you couldn't possibly predict um we'd both been in and around dev before and Mm. we have a variety of skills from our previous jobs and we expected you know i have to make all the bits um but nothing can really prepare you for your first indie game like actually making every single part of it and that means every single part all the menus all the buttons (laughs) all the stuff that people don't really think that someone's got to darn well make that you know um and it was a lot of learning a lot of 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 trying and failing and trying again basically one thing I love, and this is a, a little bit in a random direction, but one thing I love that the game did was the very first thing that happened was it popped up a menu and asked me how I wanted subtitles set up, that kind of thing. Mm. Every game should do that. <laughs> Every game should do that. <laughs> That's one of my favorite things I've seen in a long time because I always want, you know, captions on and you, sometimes you don't even know where to look for that setting. Mm-hmm. So to have it mm-hmm. handed to me first thing, Please keep it up. That, that was great. Brilliant. Thank you. I yeah. appreciate that. I think we, we'd initially put that in because we wanted to be as respectful as we could to um, our friends who, friends who follow the, you know, the religion Islam and who can't have music on um, at certain, certain times mm-hmm. of the year. And, yes. we and basically, so you can turn it up when you want it. Yeah, it's off by default. Uh, closed captions are on by default, but you have to set your settings how you want them. And um, and basically kind of go from there. But we did a lot of um, setting the tone of the game with the kind of things that are by default or that you actually have a choice with or you don't. Yeah, and these are ideas that once we decided we wanted to have them in, they kind of took on this momentum and that also kind of increased the scope of the game mm, as well. Yeah, yeah. We, we ummed and ahed for ages about 
how the main character would be in the game. Mm. Um, and as soon as we started thinking, oh, you know what, I want people to be able to choose their character and how they want to look and how they want to present themselves. And then it's like, ah, that, that's how we're going to have to do it. And yeah. it took a, a good few tries to get that working. Absolutely. Because we knew that we wanted the the other characters to be the focus in Shindig. Um, so, you know, you're not you're not a Guybrush or a Simon the Sorcerer or a kind of, the, you know, the Cloud. classic <laughs> hero kind of character. Um, mm. You're you, but with the without having to put your name in and really make role-playing style choices. But we still wanted it to be the case that people could feel welcome by feeling seen, you know, representation matters. Mm. And um, so we have the this character creator in the game where you can choose from a bunch of hairstyles and skin tones and and you can have a masculine-ish or feminine-ish voice, as we, we've discussed it. And in all of those, the default is dark skin long black hair and uh the my voice so you know we give people the option of this is what it said to you right now but you can set it to whatever you want mm-hmm. and i had no problem making a character that i thought like this is somewhat similar to you know me and i can sort of put myself mentally in the game and it seemed exactly. like there was a wide variety uh yeah. with, without doing too much like it seemed like a simple mm-hmm. system but i could tell you could make a wide variety of characters and it seemed like in terms of animation, that was maybe another triumph of that that skeletal animation system because you didn't have to go back in and do a ton of frame by frame stuff with every possible combination, you know, that that kind of thing. Hopefully that maybe made yeah. that easier. I, I can't well, really tell. Yeah. Yeah. Eventually. <laughs> right. Under the hood, all of the different um, hairstyles uh, are actually animations. Yeah. Uh, just playing that one frame of this is what your hair is like. Yeah, so yeah that's true. It's kind of a, we tried a couple of different ways to get it working because I don't think we're the first people to to put a character creator in at a point and click. Um, We might be, be. I don't know of another Um, point and click adventure that has a character creator. You don't see a lot, I don't think. I don't think, I don't think there's, I can't think of one off the top of my head, honestly. Um, But realistically, the, the point isn't being the first it's just it being in there and we just couldn't work out how to do it at first at all Mm -hmm. Um, it took us quite some time enjoy basketball soccer and all your favorite sports like never before at bet mgm sign up using bonus code capital and your first wager is risk-free up to one thousand dollars plus when you register with bet mgm you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features live betting options player props and daily boosted odds specials download the bet mgm app today or go to betmgm.com and enter bonus code capital and place your first wager risk-free up to one thousand dollars now you're winning with the king of sports books visit betmgm.com for terms and conditions 21 years of age or older to wager washington dc only new customer offer all promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements rewards issued as non-withdrawable free bets or site credit free bets expire seven days from issuance please gamble responsibly gambling problem call 1-800-522-4700 
Enjoy basketball, soccer, and all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using bonus code CAPITAL and your first wager is risk-free up to $1,000. Plus, when you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, player props, and daily boosted odds specials. Download the BetMGM app today or go to BetMGM.com and enter bonus code CAPITAL and place your first wager risk-free up to $1,000. Now you're winning with the king of sportsbooks. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. New customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire seven days from issuance. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Um, much like the closed captions that we uh, we put in for our hard of hearing players as well, that that took a long time and and created weeks and weeks of bugs. Um, and I'm sure it won't make much difference to a lot of people, but it was just important to us to give people those options that have that options menu appear right at first that lets you turn up and down your music, have that ability to choose what you look like, and have the ability to just sort of cater for people a, a little bit more as best we could. And, you know, that kind of accessibility and choice is uh, obviously, I, I think we're at a point where most people are aware of the need and most people would like to be doing it. Uh, we're still not seeing as much of it as we could and as we mm. would like to, but yeah. it, it definitely is uh, a very worthwhile goal. Uh, you know, you mentioned an interesting point with uh, religiously uh, adherent players who who need mm -hmm. certain settings. Uh, this just came up on Twitter. I was talking to somebody who was mentioning uh, issues with copyright and music. And mm -hmm. uh, I, I brought up streamer mode, which is another thing that is is nice sometimes. Um you know, if you need to activate something because you have maybe big licensed music that could get a Twitch streamer oh, in trouble. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yep. <laughs> yeah, there there are interesting things coming up and it's it's definitely something for people to be aware of and people need to kind of get in that mindset of like, mm -hmm. you know, you're not done when the content's in, you're done when the player can play it without running into issues, you know? <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that's an interesting one, the streamer mode, because for such a long time, um, having licensed music in a game was a sort of prestige item, wasn't it? it? Was. You know? Yeah, like, mm -hmm. yeah, absolutely. Um, and so I think from taking that really big picture view, you'd be like, yeah, just get as many tracks in from whomever we can. <laughs> but you don't realize that for a large portion of your audience who are going to be doing a lot of your marketing for you mm -hmm. in 2021, yeah. that's inconvenient for them. Well, you know, I just I just love hearing our music in the game on streams and hearing people like bopping along to it. That's that's kind of yes. the, the side that we have on it, basically. Um, and and what was the process for uh, Shindig's music? Oh, that's that's a that's a well, cave to go into. Um, with the exception of one track, mm -hmm. they were all written. Yeah, I wrote uh, them. by you. Yeah, by Faye. So to kind of sum up, because it took took a long, long time to do the work, which is why I sort of sounded a bit trepidatious there. <laughs> um, basically, I, I'm not classically trained. I'm not like a musician properly. I can't read music or anything. Um, but I've always wanted to do something musical. I can sing pretty well. Um, and a few years ago, I took up uh, the ukulele. Um, I just sort of started teaching myself that. Um, 
and, and yeah I, I have like a little youtube channel where i do like little covers and oh, put nice. songs up that i've written and stuff cool. um so i've got i've got good enough and uh that's sort of a thing that i'm doing called my imperfection project just to try and be putting something out there um but without that the music of shindig wouldn't have happened basically because the main process of writing shindig's music was noodling around on my ukulele um with my phone recording um mm. and then just sort of singing along to it uh, I've got pretty good relative pitch so I would just sort of come up with different melodies to go along with collections of chords and then from there it kind of goes to now I've got to get that into a computer and then you sort of painstaking painstaking yeah like dragging midi notes around on a scroll and eventually you get in the notes of the chords that you are playing that you've just worked out drag them around until it sounds about right and then you putting in on top of that counter melodies and bass lines and stuff, which like I said, I'm not, I'm not a proper composer. I, I was sort of making it up as I went along, but the MIDI stuff that's available these days for free and, you know, license free as it were is really fantastic stuff. So shout out to Spitfire Labs who makes some top notch samples um, that you can just use in your games. So yeah, it's a process of, long long drawn out um trying and failing and getting the notes to match up where you where you can basically well you certainly seem more comfortable now i would guess because i mean the game starts with a pretty elaborate musical number (laughs) (laughs) you must feel better than you did when you started right (laughs) oh yeah yeah i mean don't get me wrong i'm just uh i'm not used to considering myself to be a composer i think that's the thing i think there's always an amount of imposter syndrome in, in like being an indie dev, I think. Um, yeah, we, we, we talk a lot just at the moment about how uh, it still feels a little strange to say, oh, hi, my name is Martin. I'm a game developer. Yeah, absolutely. And you, you will say, oh, I'm not an artist. I'm not a real musician. As well, there's an entire video game <laughs> that you drew. It's just taking, it's taking a while to get used to, um, but it's, for me it's more the fact that it's just like it was a lot of painstaking very very slow work and just doing it over and over again until it was in the kind of shape that I wanted it to be same with the art really um I I don't have any training in that kind of stuff so for Shindig part of what what took a while at the beginning was finding the art style of the game really finding Mm. the kind of the way that I draw because that was your yeah finding your art style Mm, yeah Yeah, I, I think that's right, because when I did my first indie game, it was like, I can I can draw one thing. OK, fine. <clears throat> when I draw a second thing, I'm supposed to have a style established. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> it took me a long time to get comfortable with, like, all these things I've made together on screen don't look like I found them on six different websites, even though I made them yeah. all. And right. uh, mm. they don't look like they belong in a setting. That is a, a real factor, I think. And yeah. and to a certain degree, I think music follows that also. Yeah. And uh, making things sort of agree and hopefully coming up with a bit of a theme. I, I think those are all things you landed on fairly well here. Thank so, you very much. Appreciate I, that. <laughs> nicely <I'm> done. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> I've, I've always when it's been my my role to advise people on on how they should approach these things, I think it's more important for everything to seem intentional. Like the actual fidelity of it doesn't matter so much mm. um, as long as this is the style of the piece yeah, and it all works together 
Yeah. Because at first when I was, you know, drawing away, kind of going, we're making a point and click game. It'll be expected that it's, um, you know, really beautiful, basically, because they often are. Mm -hmm. It will be expected that it would be more photorealistic or that it would be pixel art. art, Um, Mostly pixel art, people, people sort of expect. And then to sort of find ourselves going, well, ours is going to be more cartoony, basically, because... A, that's kind of what I naturally gravitate towards to cartoon or, or photographs. And B, it just seems more emotionally honest for this kind of game, basically, to, to set that emotional landscape of it's a safe space, you know. There's no bait and switch. Mm-hmm. This isn't one of those games that appears cute and welcoming, but actually it's a horror game. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there's no there's no actual character death kind of thing. Um, and so to a big part of the the work of that is finding the art style that you can do. And like you said, that is cohesive and works together, not just in isolation of like, I've drawn one thing nicely here and another thing nicely here, but they don't look right. And once you find that theme, you know, if you decide you don't like something about that theme, that's also a big problem. So it's kind of an <laughs> so ongoing true. concern, I find, uh, Absolutely. Uh, especially as a non-artist also. Like, I, I definitely don't consider myself primarily an artist. I can barely call myself an artist in any way. Um, I, But I do also kind of feel like I like the cartoony kind of vibe a little bit for anything mm-hmm. I would do. Um, yeah. I would more naturally go to something like a, a vector art uh animation program than mm. say just photoshop and start painting or something like that <laughs> i really respect people who can do that but i i find that uh the simpler stuff that i'm able to do is sort of what i like so it's kind of nice it's nice to see somebody run with that in a in a full game project that's cool without creating that sort of bait and switch like you talked about you guys did manage to add in some elements of, you know, real life personalities and uh, things, things that you see in real interactions with friends and stuff, things you might encounter in real life. So I kind of wonder is, is there sort of inspiration from real life people or just, uh, you know, personality and, and attitudes you wanted to sort of address in the game, things that you just wanted to include? How did it work? So one of the, I guess, more unexpected sources of inspiration for this that we often talk about is uh, BoJack Horseman. <laughs> yeah. So there's there's a, obviously a lot less substance abuse in Shindu. <laughs> Other than maybe sugar. Sugar there's an argument, came up. <laughs> argument about sugar. But the thing about BoJack is that while the characters are often cartoon animals, they're they're no less people mm-hmm. for being cartoon animals. And that's something we really, really wanted to hit with Shindig. Um, and also while it's funny and light, the characters all have a little more to them. Yeah. Like they're well-rounded. Yeah. And the thing is, a lot of that inspiration is, is from ourselves. Um, a lot of it's from friends that we have, uh, you know, talking about, um, my my family just expect me to have kids because I'm this age now, that kind of thing. Like you talk Mm -hmm. about with your friends and you sort of, you see these universal experiences, um, you know, in, in the game, some of the more adult things, as you mentioned that we're talking about are invisible illness and prejudice and things like that. And a lot of that is from personal experience, but a lot of it is from people we know. And it's just, generally universal stuff that goes across humanity really and i think shindig at its core is about 
humanity, even though the characters are cartoon animals. It's about being a person and having feelings and being valid and being valued as well. And so for us, it was important to put in those sort of slightly deeper emotional topics um, just to to move away from the idea that it's all sweetness and light being a person because it's not. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, The world is a challenging place and and people are really bloody awful sometimes. Mm. But if you can just appreciate someone's humanity and you can empathize with them, regardless of if they're a, a cartoon otter or they're your best friends. It's something that that just makes the world a little brighter, you know? I kind of like how that served the story also, because I, you see in like RPG type games, uh, and I'm, I'm not saying this makes them worse games or, or anything like that, but you see, you know, story quests come up. I need something from the farm down the road. <laughs> and, and it's just like, that's accepted that like this person's not going after their own stuff but <laughs> it's like, yeah. you need it and you need experience points go go head down the road yep. for me uh yep. it, this kind of used it in, in a useful way which was like it, it's subtle but it's like hey uh you know i got this thing i'm dealing with and mm-hmm. and sometimes it's personality based or sometimes it's just activity and responsibility and stuff it's like i'm i'm doing the following or you know it's not really in my wheelhouse to do this could you mm-hmm. could you help somebody out you know uh, I, I thought that was kind of nice. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. So we we tried really hard in structuring the the sort of I don't know, quest seems a bit <laughs> let's call it that yeah. of, of the game that we didn't want you to have to save these characters, and we didn't want uh, a situation in which you would be mean to them to progress because that was something we very strongly wanted to avoid um, in a lot of games of pretty much all genres, you kind of have to make people's day worse to proceed sometimes. Um, And we really wanted to just have that not be an option. And we wanted to keep the, the overall scale of the, the conflict, let's say in the game to be relatively um, small. Sort of neighborhood level, your friendly neighborhood Mm -hmm. hero, rather than I'm saving the world, I'm saving the galaxy. And that, that sort of informed the decision of the kind of the story of Shindig, which is you're helping out um, an island full of animal friends who are kind of a bit down in the mouth. They're kind of having a bit of a hard time and you just go and show them some kindness, you know? I hate to uh, use the old cliche, you know, the friends we made along the way, but <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that, that becomes so, an element, you know? <laughs> it does. The real it Shindig does. was the friends we made along the way. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> but the thing is, from... A sort of philosophical point of view, what we really wanted with Shindig is we we wanted there to be no swears, no scares, um, and we wanted it to just be a have the kind of emotional design that would create certain emotions in the players. And you know, I can get a little bit stressed sometimes in games where if I have like a time um, time limit on something, mm. or if I really feel like something's at stake, it can really get to me. Um, and I wanted with Shindig for us to keep that on the down low. Like you're a low key hero. You're just, you're just throwing a party, you know, Mm -hmm. it's like, like a mom or a dad is a low key hero when they throw someone's birthday party. There's that thing that sometimes happens in games where you start getting to know and like one of the characters and then you think, oh, are they going to die? Are they going to die? Oh Oh, God. Are Um, they going to die off screen? Oh, we God. just absolutely didn't want that to be no. something that anyone had to think about no. in Shindig. Exactly. 
Enjoy basketball, soccer, and all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using bonus code CAPITAL and your first wager is risk-free up to $1,000. Plus, when you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, player props, and daily boosted odds specials. Download the BetMGM app today or go to BetMGM.com and enter bonus code CAPITAL and place your first wager risk-free up to $1,000. Now you're winning with the king of sportsbooks. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. New customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire seven days from issuance. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Enjoy basketball, soccer, and all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using bonus code CAPITAL and your first wager is risk-free up to $1,000. Plus, when you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, player props, and daily boosted odds specials. Download the BetMGM app today or go to BetMGM.com and enter bonus code CAPITAL and place your first wager risk-free up to $1,000. Now you're winning with the king of sportsbooks. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. New customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire seven days from issuance. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. So it's just... It's designed to be a nice place that you go and you do these, you know, they're not exactly uh, crazy high goals, what the characters want you to help them with, but they're fully achievable and you'll <laughs> find your way to them if you mooch around, if you explore, you know. It's it's not like we've made something one pixel that you can only find uh, in order to proceed. We really wanted to make it so that you're kind of just gently guided through exploring by the puzzles, you know? It, yeah, I, I appreciate that there are no microscopic things to find. or uh, <laughs> I won't name any names, but there are adventure games I really like and respect, but do literally put in like a couple of pixel specs that you might, yeah. you're not really sure you need. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And the thing is, it's like, from our side, trying to look at it with that inclusiveness and that accessibility in mind, just like if if a kid plays this game, they won't have that kind of history with um, point and click games. They might not think to do that. We have to really think about how we want to clearly present to our players um, their goals and their ideas and not expect them to have some kind of history with the genre. Because um, while, while the game isn't made for kids, um, like uh, one of our testers played it through with his kid, and they had they had a really fun time playing it together. Um, and it's really nice to be able to see that what we've created and what we made these design choices to do, we've achieved in in aiming for that kind of Pixar universality. So yeah, so adults can play the game and enjoy it, and sort of enjoy the surreal humor, and kids can enjoy it as well, which is really nice, and they can enjoy it together. So. We didn't want any one puzzle to be like, say, in an action game, you get to that one boss fight, you just can't beat that boss, and I guess the game's now over for me. Yeah, because I'm actually, I have a, an invisible disability, and so 
for me, really stressful, long boss fights and stuff. I, I just physically can't do them sometimes. Um, we sort of have this joke that that you do the boss fights. And you do the puzzles. And I do the puzzles. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone has a department. I like that. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, but with Shindig, we just didn't want people to to come up against that that stumbling block where they're like, well, I guess I'm not smart enough to continue because I don't want players to feel that way. Like it's horrible when you, when you can't figure it out yourself, you know? Um, yeah. So the puzzles are there to guide people to the next uh, quirky character to meet or the <laughs> next um, interesting new environment to walk through. Cause I think that's what I wanted from point and clicks back in the day. Like I, I love an aha moment as much as the next man, but realistically what I get out of playing point and click games and loving that genre like I do is just having a wander around, being in those places, meeting those cool people, hearing all the jokes. Mm. Like I played the Discworld game when I was much, much younger and uh, we still like quote that game in my family, <laughs> you know, because it's the characters, it's the performances there's a couple of little references to it in the delivery of some lines in Shindig, just because. Let's see if you can spot them. Let's see if you can spot them. Um, <laughs> just because it's, I couldn't, I couldn't tell you how to play all of Discworld now, but I sure as hell remember some of the cool songs that they sang and, and the places and what the music sounded like and things like that. Yeah, and and this is a cool. It's like a chill and consistent experience, which I think is is key and that's a big part of what you're talking about is like it's not going to suddenly amp up the challenge in a way that uh you know not only people who feel like they can't do it but here in the game pass age and the backlog age mm -hmm. like most of us have a hair trigger for turning a game off you know it's, <laughs> absolutely if, if we're not yeah. actively streaming or achievement hunting like we will turn that off in a heartbeat once we feel like uh, it's not what I was doing anymore and Absolutely. it's not what I was enjoying. Yeah. And uh, this is a nice chance to go through something, experience the whole thing. You know, you know right away if, if this is something you can do, if you want to do. And if you're into it, fantastic. You you get to, you know, enjoy the, the whole thing. And uh, in terms of kids, as I mentioned, I sort of played this while I was hanging out with my son, going through <laughs> a normal afternoon. And uh, oh, that's great! <laughs> I, I think there was a time, a point in time that day where he wanted to like maybe go outside or something. I said, "Okay, I'm I'm almost done here, and we'll we'll do that." He's like, "Oh, are you working?" Like. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and eventually he, he walks over and gives me this kind of like, what are you doing over here without me? What is this? <laughs> so oh, he was awesome. immediate, he was immediately interested in that. Like, you watching cartoons over here? What's going on? <laughs> Why didn't you tell me? I don't, I don't think it's a tough sell for kids is <laughs> it's cool. what I would That's contribute. Cool. That's really cool. Excellent. I mean, honestly, we just wanted to make um, something that's just nice. You know, there's there's lots and lots of games that are tackling really challenging stuff and are looking to be scary or spooky or, you know, keep you on the edge of your seat. And I think we kind of very early on just went, we don't want to make that for our first game. Maybe yeah. one day. <laughs> there's no shortage of those games. There's, yeah. And they're all really good and they know what they're doing. But for us, we knew we could write. We knew yeah. that we could design games. And we kind of had to figure out how we were going to make a game and fill in all the other parts of a game, you know, like the art and the music and, and actually it working and appearing yeah. on the screen, you know. So it was always going to start 
from the text and from the, uh, characters. the characters. Yeah, and we already had a bunch of those. Like we, I think. I've been joking recently that our love language is just anthropomorphizing everything, like <laughs> voicing everything. Like I cannot walk past a dog without being like, oh, I'm feeling very handsome today and voicing the dog, <laughs> you know, and that just sort of has been a natural part of our our humor and our relationship for decades now. A lot of these characters have a certain Christopher Robin factor, if you get what <laughs> I mean, um, where they are soft toys that we've had for decades. Yeah, or... exactly. They're based on plushies in some cases, completely invented for Shindig and others, but... Based on our real cats. And based on our real cats, yeah. But they <laughs> all have their own voices. So we already had that to start with, you know, and it's good to have a springboard when you're an indie because there's so much to learn. I won't spoil anything about real cats, but that was also <laughs> fantastic. Oh, I'm glad you liked it. Yeah, we <laughs> thought it was just a funny thing to do, you know. It's quite a striking image, so. <laughs> <laughs> well, this raises the question, what do you imagine for game number two? Ooh. Uh, shorter. Yeah, shorter. <laughs> definitely. Definitely. Um, I mean, we have we've we went and bought a flip chart when we set up the business because um, we uh, we wanted to feel like, you know, proper business people. Yeah, you um, don't get to write on the flip chart yourself as much as I would like. Yeah, that's true. Um, but one of the... <laughs> now I do, it's my flip chart. One of the pages of the flip chart just has ideas for games on it. It's just like plastered with concepts and, and scribbles and things like that. Um, and they're all very sort of lofty concepts and we'll probably need a bit more experience for those. So for the next games, I think we're planning on doing something much shorter to sort of as a bit of a palate cleanse, if nothing else. Mm -hmm. um, because while I'd really like to make more Shindig stuff in, in like the world of Shindig, and we already have some of that designed um, for perhaps a seasonal Shindig of some kind. Um, I think for now, the next project that I have in mind is something to just sort of test ourselves of, how can we make something really small that takes like an hour to play max, make it start to finish in this time? Um, so I'm not going to give away too much on what that is, but it's probably something that we would put upon itch only. Um, but yeah, yeah, I think maybe we'll we'll work on some shorter projects and maybe try and work on something longer sort of simultaneously, mm, if you yeah, mean. Exactly. There's there's so many irons we have in the fire, it's just trying to decide what to, to do first just like with Shindig you know we want to make an action game I want to make something RPG I want to make more of a visual novel but you have to decide what you're going to make first as your first game so not now we've done that, no, we've done that. <laughs> <laughs> and you're you're right we're we're almost at an hour here and my my okay. meeting notifications just popping up I messed it up <laughs> <laughs> That's on me. It's all good. It's all good. <laughs> we all made it. We all got yeah. the call. Yeah, it turned out yeah, right in the end. <laughs> but uh, that's that's so cool. I love, first of all, I love itch. I, I've put many things on itch, just very small things, documents, things that mm. have all found uh, the people they were intended to find. So I think itch is really good for that. I wish the player base would sort of come over to itch a little bit. Mm -hmm. And yeah. sort of, I to me, I've talked about this on Twitter, but I think that's that next step in what everybody wants when they say we need smaller games and support for, you know, shorter play experiences yeah. and stuff. You pretty much have to do it on itch because that's yeah. it's it's such a nice experience for the developer. Don't you yeah, think? Yeah, absolutely. It really is. And, and you know, it, it does cost money to put something up on Steam. So 
each having that accessibility for these smaller projects is really yeah, you helpful. You can definitely play around a bit more on it, can't you? Mm, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's a real playground for that kind of creativity and that kind of spark for your imagination. God bless Itch. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a fan. Darn yes. right. <laughs> no, it, it's wonderful. Love it. Well, uh, as we sort of bring things home, uh, let <laughs> listeners know where they can find you, what you want them to look at, anything you want. Okay. So Imaginary Friends Games is at GamesFriendo on, on Twitter. Twitter. Um, and you'll find Shindig on, on Steam and on Itch. And we also have imaginaryfriendsgames.com. So pretty much go to any of those places and you can find any of the other places from them. <laughs> yeah, if you like what you've heard today or what you've seen on the internet, please consider uh, playing Shindig. Um, Take a look. Leave a review. It's super cheap. <laughs> That's true. It's uh, it's cheaper than a London pint, as Absolutely. we say, for, for our friends across the pond. Cheaper than a beer in Disney World. Absolutely. Much cheaper than a beer in Disney World. I was going to say, I don't know what yeah, kind of comparison that'll be to most things. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so we we have the game up there, but we also have a bundle with the game and the soundtrack as well, which is just a, a couple of dollars or a couple of pounds more. Um, and I would encourage people to consider getting the soundtrack because something that a lot of people have said is that they really, really like the music and that they were singing the songs afterwards. So the soundtrack's got loads of like cool bonus material on it, yeah. like some of the backing tracks for the uh, adverts on the radio and so on. Yeah, absolutely. So regardless, though, we hope people will take a look at the game and um, that it'll make them smile and make them think and make them feel. So that's why we made it. Very cool. Well, uh, the world needs more humor. Games <laughs> need more humor. And uh, that's that's something I really liked about this. So uh, well done. And I will look forward to seeing what's next from you. Awesome. Thank you very much for having us. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you. If you enjoy Game Dev Breakdown, hit subscribe so you can catch those future episodes as they happen. You can find show notes at CodeWriteplay.com. My book, Inside Video Game Creation, is available now on Amazon in paperback, hardcover, and ebook formats. We do video shows at YouTube, and if you would like news and articles from around the web each week, you can subscribe to the newsletter available on the uh, newsletter tab at CodeWritePlay.com. We're on Twitter at GameDevPod, at CodeWritePlay, and me at MechaToddZilla with one D and two L's. Reach out about anything at any time. Thanks, everybody. More next week for CodeWritePlay and GameDev Breakdown. I'm Todd Mitchell. Thanks, and we will talk to you soon. Oh, I'm feeling very handsome today.